Let's go. Here we go. Let's go is back on the air. Tommy and Fitz after Thanksgiving. It's Cyber Monday. Tommy, how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. This is the day where all those tablets I broke over the years come back to life and get their revenge on me on Cyber Monday. <laughs> so I'm going to get their ass. But it's a good day for us, and it's good to see my man Fitzy. It's been a while. We've had some guests on, but it's good to have my man back, too. And Scratchy, you you as well. You're always you're kind of like the the leader of the ship. Is it rudderless or is it have a direction? <laughs> Mostly rudderless, to be honest. But that's okay because you know sometimes we drift around in the open sea and fuck it. That's where we end up. You know, we'll figure out where we go. Speaking of gone fishing, what are you, what are you doing? You're 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 diving into the middle of the ocean during Thanksgiving, and and you know what's going on with you? Gone fishing? Truly, you jumped off I- the ship. Well, I'm trying to, to lead by example with my children. So it's only one way to do it is to get in there with them. So I'm just definitely trying to explore a lot of things I've never had a chance to do over all these years. And some of it's kind of fun. Reel them back in, Fitz. How was your Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving was amazing. I had a wonderful time with the family, um, watched some football and took the kids out to a little football game this weekend. So it was great. We had a, had a wonderful time. Lots going on in the National Football League. Our program, Let's Go, is brought to you by Delta Airlines. Delta believes the pursuit of perfection is a never-ending journey, and every day provides new opportunities to keep climbing towards that Let's Go moment. Visit Delta.com to book today. Fitzy, one of your former coaches today, uh, was let go by the Carolina Panthers. Frank Wright, he coached you for some time. Yeah, you know, I obviously love Coach Wright. Um, you know, he's played a huge role in uh, in my growth when he coached me at receiver in Arizona. It's had a tough couple years, obviously, in Indianapolis. And now in Carolina, you know, I didn't think that he was going to, you know, lose his job as quickly as he did. But, um, you know, it's a it's a tough business. And you know, he's got an owner there that has really high expectations. And, um, you know, it's sad to see. Um, unfortunately, he won't be the last coach to lose his job this year. You know, it's uh, it's interesting. You know, you, you looked at, you know, where Carolina was last year. They had Steve Wilkes in the building. All the players seemed to really like him. They they really were pushing for him to stay there. You know, Mr. Tepper went in the different direction to hire Coach Coach Wright, and they find themselves in the same position they were a few months ago. So, you know, it's uh, interesting to see what, 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 my, what route he'll go. Tommy, you've only known stability. Uh, you played for the same coach for your entire time in New England, had a coaching change in your uh, final year in Tampa Bay when Bruce Arians retired, when there's instability and after 11 games, it's kind of hard to even know what it is you have to be so unhappy to make that change at this point does what to everybody there in your estimation, understanding you didn't experience that. I think the important part about firing and hiring and and, and all this is continuity is the key to the NFL and business and the more you have continuity, the more you can build on things over the course of years. It's hard to cover, you know, if you look at football in particular, it's hard to cover the amount of situations that come up every week, you know, in a game, you know, start a game, end of quarters, how to use your timeouts, end of half times, critical third down situations, critical red area plays, situational football. All these things need to be built up, these reps in practice, talked about in meetings. Time and time and time again. It's tr- like trying to learn a language. You go on to learn English for one year. Okay. Great. And you want to, how will you be in your second year? Better. How will you be in your third year? Way better. In your fourth year, better. What if you, every year you had to switch language? You go English one year. Okay. Now we're going to start back in at French. Okay. Now we're going to go to Chinese. Okay. Now we're going to go to German. Okay. Now we're going to go to Spanish. 
it's really hard to build up any of that consistency and continuity. So you can never really go deep on the playbook. You can never go deep on situations. So I was a beneficiary of a lot of coaching changes over the years because we were beating teams. They couldn't get over the hump. They were all trying to beat the team that I played for. And when they couldn't, they ended up firing the coach, which in the end helped us even more. So, you know, you think sometimes you're solving a problem by firing the coach. I don't know. Sometimes you do. Sometimes you can create more problems, too. So you really better know what you're doing if, if that's the case. Yeah, patience is not a virtue, Jim. I mean, you think David Tepper has been uh, the owner now for six years. He's got he's had six head coaches in six years, and that's tough. And then you think about the approach that, you know, like even the Cincinnati Bengals or Pittsburgh Steelers, I mean, Cincinnati Bengals didn't have a tremendous amount of success, but Marvin was there every single year and trying to, you know, find, figure out ways to be able to get it right, you know, within the building. And obviously the Steelers have had three head coaches in since like the seventies. I, I think there's such a, and I spoke to it a little bit last week, but just this, it's, it's happening faster because I think the amplification of social media allows things to turn over quicker. And then the voices can create a lot of pressure on the organization to make changes. So unless you have a lot of resilience about who you who you hired, then it's going to be, you know, it's tough to slow that down. Jim Gray with Larry Fitzgerald and Tom Brady. We're here on Let's Go. Our program is brought to you by Morton's The Steakhouse. Celebrate your next special occasion with Morton's The Steakhouse. Morton's is the prime place to take your special someone for that perfect steak and unrivaled dining experience. Visit mortons.com for reservations. Well, it's an interesting thing. Before we came on, I, I was looking at my telephone, and I saw that the mayor of Paris, France, she quit Twitter, now known as X. She said it's the most corrosive, divisive, worst thing that's happening to our society. The algorithms are driving hatred toward all forms of our culture and society. And for those of us who are supposed to be leading we need to make a change. We see this in sports, too. People are only human, so I guess they want to check to see what the temperature is about themselves, <clears throat> whether it's players. And we had Kevin Durant on last year who checks it all the time and fires back, and others who just take it and probably bothers them, and then those who don't engage. Uh, yeah. how, how do you go? What's the approach? I mean, I just think there used to be this point, too, in our life where there was informed opinions, and then they carried a little bit of credibility and integrity because they studied their subject. They knew their subject really well. Now, they may, weren't always the right either. It was just an opinion. But now there's just opinions that are relatively uninformed as well. And because it's social media, you don't know if the person has, you know, is 10 years old or 80 years old. They don't know if they have any experience in what they're talking about. I may have a lot of opinions about a lot of things that I have zero idea how to do or facilitate. And the easiest thing to do is to burn things down. I and mean, that's just, mm -hmm. it's way easier to burn things down than to build things up. And I think we're talking about truck, that mayor in particular. It is hard to be in a leadership position because you're taking on a lot when you take in that position of authority and leadership because you realize that there's a lot of people that are just going to be critical. And now they actually have ways to amplify their criticism. So you may think it's really bad. I think we're going to have to just get immune to it to a degree as we go. And whether it's social media, because everyone has their own voice, you just have to figure out how to become immune to it over a period of time. And it may not happen in a year or five years or 10 years or 20 years. It may be longer than that. I think when we want to amplify messages 
across the world, it's pretty easy to get information to other people based on everyone's got cell phones. And in the digital age, we can all scroll and pick things up. Now, you just have to have to discern what matters and what doesn't matter. Our good friend Denzel from last week had one of the best quotes of all time, you know, and this references the the mayor of, of Paris. Um, you know, you either have the choice to make. Are you going to be uninformed by not looking or are you going to be misinformed by looking at it? You just have to be able to decide you know, what, what choice you want to make with it. <laughs> but that's the problem. We depend on information. And when the information isn't dependable and when the yeah. sources that you used to trust can't be trusted. And when things are somebody else's fact that is not factual, yeah, that's a very difficult place to be. And if you're a sports figure, we're 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 narrowing this down, you know, to a straw here because we're talking about sports. But when you open it up to a world, nobody knows what's right and what's wrong anymore. So you make the facts your friends. That's what Charles Barkley used to say. So you just yeah. make up whatever fits your case and, and that becomes what your truth is. It's a challenge for for the kids, for sure. But look, we used to have editors. Maybe the maybe it's going to create more informed parents that can edit information better for their children. I don't know. You never know what's on the other side, too. I mean, it's natural things, I think, to always progress and change and evolve and grow. And with that comes its own unique challenges through growth. And, okay, you launch a platform that you have the ability to access the world with information or distribute to the world information. Okay, what if it's bad information? Oh, well, shit, we only want good information distributed. That's not really the way the world works. Larry, I want to ask you because uh, you deal with a lot of these young guys and, you know, you were in a leadership role as a player and then with the Phoenix Suns and, and you see their sensitivities and you know that they're looking at this. How did you coach them? What did you, what did you guide them toward and, and were you successful? Well, I just say not take things personal. Um, and and it, like you said, you're looking at it through a straw. I, I think the misinformation that you deal with as an athlete is it doesn't hurt anybody. But the misinformation about what's happening in the Gaza Strip actually really has lasting impact and effects on people. So these guys are so young. I mean, they're 20, 19, 20, 21 years old, and they're affected by the fact that a, a fan is upset that they, you know, missed a shot or didn't defend on, on, on defense, you know. And so you just have to let them know, like, this It's not the end of the world. Obviously, you know, it's important, you know, to your following that you, that you have these people that, you know, want to want to subscribe to what you're doing in life. But it, you can't take it as the gospel. And with all due respect to what I'm going to say, unless you're Bill Belichick and there's a fear factor of you and tremendous fear by the people who he employs, that doesn't work because these coaches can't say to these guys, stay off your phone, stay off of this, don't do this, don't do that, because they're not going to listen. I mean, the examples are numerous where guys have tried that. Go back to Antonio Brown in the locker room with Coach Tomlin, who everybody respects and likes. So you just can't say, don't do that, Tom. They have to be afraid of that person, and that's not the, that's not the place anymore. They want to get along with the players. They want to have camaraderie and coexistence as opposed to the other I way. Think the, the, Jim, the message has to be like, don't, don't put your social following in front of what we're trying to do here in this building. Like We're trying to win a championship, and in what you say – 
affects us to be able to win a championship, that's when I have a problem. I have no problem with you expressing your freedom and what you want to wear and what you want to eat and the things that you find interesting. But like, just don't allow that to, to manifest itself into the locker room in, in a way that's detrimental. That's, that's, all, that's all you're trying to preach to the guys. Tommy, can it work? Absolutely. I think it just needs to be leadership of the organization. And that's ownership, front office, head coach, leaders on the team. And, you know, you can't expect that, you know, it's like your children, you know, okay, you're going to let them eat candy and watch, you know, violent movies at 10 years old. And, and you know, okay, well, what, what's going to happen? I mean, at some point there needs to be maturity that steps in and says, all right, guys, this is, this is how I feel that can best facilitate us actioning our goals. And if we can't do that, then we're not going to have that success. So you can do it. It's just, you need to be, you need to be strong. You need to be tough. You need to be disciplined. I, look, there's a lot of corporate America, which I see too. You know, they they're, they do run a tight ship, you know, different than, you know, because no, they don't have big social followings. These people that work, these 100,000 employees that work for, for these massive companies, they don't have social followings where they get ample of it. They better fall in line, which I think is a good thing for all of us athletes and former athletes to understand. We do have a little attention, so use it for good. Don't create havoc. Don't create insurrection. Don't create divisiveness. I mean, and I believe again, this is a cycle. It turns over, there would be places for us to be, you know, back unified. You know, it cre- people create division, then unify. It's like, who are the people? You're the arsonist and you're the firefighter. You create the fire and you put it out. And both you know, are very lively. They're all of them. You know, there's a lot of people that do that, you know, and they feel like they're saving things and people. But the reality is, is, you know, I like it. And I always felt like, okay, I'm going to plot my own path. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to have all the values that I really believe in, which is hard work, discipline, teamwork, commitment, you know, uh, uh, humility, and and taking accountability and responsibility for your actions. Those are the things that are going to sustain teams and families and and friendships and corporations and governments. And to think that we can work less hard, to have less accountability, less responsibility to one another, less discipline and think that we're going to progress in anything. I mean, we're full of shit. So it's fine when people do that. I just feel like I'm gaining more in the competition when they do that. Our program is brought to you by K Jewelers. Hurry. K's Black Friday sale ends today. Shop now and save on thousands of gift-worthy styles before they're gone. Exclusions apply. Visit K.com for details. Stay with us here on Let's Go. Much more with Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald right here on Sirius XM. I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman, and we are the hosts of Baseball Barbercast. If you're listening to Tom Brady's podcast and you're thinking, I wish I knew more about the last active athlete to be drafted by the Montreal Expos, then boy, do we have a baseball podcast for you. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we're talking about Tom Brady. No, mostly we're talking about baseball, and you should join us and download Baseball Barbercast on the SXM app, available with all of our trials and popular plans, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That's B-A-R-B-Cast. Let's go! Welcome back to Let's Go. I'm Jim Gray, along with Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald. Our program is brought to you by American Express. You know, it's easy to get excited about going to a game. You love hearing the sound of the whistle or smelling the game day concessions all the way from your seat. It's the stuff that reminds you of the thrill of the game. And you know that Amex will be with you every step of the way. Because when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, 
but when. American Express, don't live life without it. That Eagles game yesterday against Buffalo was what yeah. brings us all to the television. Yeah. And sure. people are coming to the television more so this year than they have in a long, long time. Wow. 45 million people, I believe, is the number who watched the Cowboys game on Thanksgiving, Incredible. which is the highest audience for anything other than a Super Bowl. That game yesterday kind of had everything, uh, uh, Fitz, and, Fitz and Tommy. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was just compelling to watch. Yeah. Incredible. You know, and I, and I think when I watch those games, I'm like, yes, you know, that's what, that's what you want to see it look like. Teams running the ball well, you know, quarterbacks making critical plays, you know, defensive players coming up with some big stops there at the end and coaches calling the game aggressively. You know, I, I think that's what I love about the sport. And I, when I see that, I'm like, okay, great. You know, we just need, need more of that. You know, it can't be just one game every two weeks where I see that, you know, I, I love seeing those guys play the way they're capable. Jalen and Josh both played great. The receivers played well. The running backs, DeAndre Swift ran his ass off. Big guy up front, a big rookie uh, tackle for the for the Eagles played so hard. And then ultimately it comes down to play in overtime. There's a little misconnection between Gabe Davis and Josh Allen that allows the field goal. And then the Eagles get it and take advantage. And it was just a – what a game. And, I, you know, I was I – was, I'm loving football in those moments. Yeah, Jim. I mean, I, I think more so than anything yesterday, I mean, I, I think the Eagles are, are the best team in the game now. I mean, they had a tough game against the uh, against the Kansas City Chiefs last week where they didn't they didn't play great. They made just enough plays to be able to get out with a win. But this is the first game that I've seen the Eagles really clicking on all cylinders on on all facets of the game. And, uh, you know, this, this is a team that's that's battle battle tested. Uh, you know, the next three games, they got the San Francisco 49ers coming up. Um, they got I mean, Seattle, they, they got some really tough opponents. They're going to learn a lot about this team. Um, if they can get through this, this gauntlet. You know, I, I like their chances to get into Vegas in a couple months. Tommy, that game reminded me a little bit of your Super Bowl against Philly. It just, it just was, it just was a lot of amazing plays. Yeah, when you're a in something of, like that, what's it feel like when you're on the field? There's amazing plays by all these guys, and and you know they have the ability to make all those amazing plays. Um, and I think when you're on those good teams, you know, and your teammates are making them, then you want to be involved. There's a lot of energy in those games. You could see the whole game. There was everyone was like maxed out, and that doesn't always happen. And and I think when you see it, you really love it because the the collective energy was there on both sides of the ball and the crowd. And you know, like I said, for this weekend, more so than others, maybe it's after Thanksgiving, people are really into it. You know, the weather's changing. Guys have been at it, and then you know, you, I appreciate the effort that those guys give. So, you know, you you want to be out there in those moments. These are the games that you're out there playing, and to think that you got tens of millions of people coming together to watch you play—that's a—it's an amazing adrenaline rush, and you'll never forget that for the rest of your life. So, we looked at a lot of these games this weekend, and they were mismatches, and it kind of speaks to what you talked about last week. You know, there's a there's a mediocre feeling at times across the NFL. And we all feel it. We feel it who cover it. We feel it as fans and we see it. And then you see excellence yesterday mm. or maximum effort, whatever you want to call it. And then we all get so enthralled by that. Um, is it because there's not enough good players, not enough good teams? Why, why is it rare when that happens as opposed to all the time? 
I mean, I, I think it ebbs and flows throughout the course of the year. I mean, obviously not every game is going to be the Philadelphia's Buffalo Bills games, but, you know, there there was a lot of compelling football yesterday. You watched that game between the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Houston Texans. I mean, I mean, I I, I thought they were going to win that game, driving down and getting a field goal to be able to go ahead and, and come out with the win. I mean, like that was compelling. I was on the seat of my my couch watching that game yesterday. So there was a couple of really, really good ones. But, you know, but then you, you turn in games like the Dallas Cowboys on 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 uh, on Thanksgiving. And it was a that was a that was a sleepy one right there, man. I, I had just eaten out, dozed off on the couch. I couldn't even watch it any longer. Um, but, you know, there, there's some good ones and there's some there's some bad ones. But I, I would say, you know, on average, you know, they're, they're usually pretty compelling. But um, I get what you're saying, though. Well, I think the point is you just want to continue to see the game grow and evolve. And that means better coaching, better quarterback play, better defensive play calling. The, I think a big difference, too, with the lack of time that, coaches have with players coaches have together in the building people don't understand the full picture a lot of the time you know not that everybody needs to understand everybody else's job but coordinators should know protections well offensive line coaches should know protections and 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 run schemes and and running backs should know run schemes and and receivers need to know protections you know, quarterbacks need to know what everyone's doing. And I think because coaches aren't really trusting the quarterbacks much, they're trying to control the game from the sideline. When you try to control the game from the sideline, the coach doesn't have every answer for what's happening on the field. Ultimately, I always felt as a quarterback, I had all the things at my disposal to get us into a good play. So if a coach called a play, and let's say it was a pass play, a, a deep pass play to Moss, and I got up to the line of scrimmage and I felt like, oh, shit, they're prepared to stop that deep play. I had the ability to change the play to get us to a play that I thought would be more successful. A shorter pass, a run play, a screen play to get the ball to somebody else who had a better chance to get it. And I just don't see as much of that in the NFL. And I think, again, there's a lot less time that people are spending on it. That's just the reality. When I started, there was a lot more time we spent on it. So I, over those years, I developed a lot of tools in my arsenal to be able to get us in the best play. And the reality is when you get to be certainly, let's say the playoffs, I'll ask you this in the Super Bowl that we beat Atlanta, did I, could I afford one more bad play in the second half? And when we beat the Seattle in the Super Bowl in Arizona, in that fourth quarter, could I afford one bad play? Um, when I was playing the Rams in 2018, could I afford one bad play? Could the giants, when they beat us, in 2007, afford one more bad play, that's the margin of victory. The margin of error is so slim. And I think what you want to see is you want to see good quarterbacks fix plays so you don't run 10 or 20% of them bad because you you have no chance with the play you have called. You have a deep shot to Moss called, and I go up there and I run the play and I get sacked. Well, no one's going to be open. I just read the coverage. That's what Peyton and I did. That's what Drew Brees and I did. That's what Phillip Rivers and I did. That's what Aaron Rodgers did. That's that's where you take the game to the next level. You had the final swipe at the pencil. And when quarterbacks are put in those positions to do that, and you got to teach the quarterbacks that, you got to educate them, you got to develop them. But it's hard, like I said, because we're firing people every five minutes, offensive coordinators, play callers. You know, let's promote that guy. Let's call the the, the GA up and let him, you know, call call some plays. I mean, 
this is just the reality of, of the way the sport is because there's so much pressure to get it right. And in, 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 in an effort to get it right, people are actually making it more wrong. Tom, at what point in your career did you feel comfortable enough to be able to make those calls? Did you feel like you had the trust of Coach Belichick and offensive coordinator to be able to check into the plays that you wanted to? Because, I, I mean, if you look yeah. around the league now, would you say maybe 10 percent of the guys playing quarterback right now have have the authority to be able to make those type of check with me at the line of scrimmage? Yeah, I think that's probably right. Three or four guys. I think Patrick does. Stafford probably does. Rogers probably does. And probably a few others, but guys who have had more experience. But I'll tell you this. In my second year, we played an overtime game. My first year I started, we played the Chargers. We came out in overtime. We were talking about they were going to max blitz us. And they said, okay, if they max blitz us and they get us in that, look, we got to check the protection to a seven-man protection and let's give the receiver a shot down the field to a second-year quarterback. But again, I was in the system my whole first year. I was being taught by Bill Belichick. Charlie Weiss. We had quarterback school. We had off-season program. We get into overtime. We go full 60 minutes. It's the first drive of overtime, and I recognize that they call this all-out blitz. And I said, fuck this. I'm changing it. I called, changed the protection. I threw a deep ball to David Patton, pass interference, 50-yard gain. We win the ball. We win the game on a field goal in overtime. So, in my second year, I was able to do it. But again, I put a lot of it, I put a lot of time in that. And I think part of it too was that was how I did fix problems was using my brain, trying to anticipate. I, I think there's too much now that's being reactive to the game where I'm trying to fix problems after the ball's in my hands, which is nearly impossible because as you know, Fitzy, running on how much harder is it to run an option route as opposed to, all right, you're locked on an inside route on a slant. Well, shit, if, you, if you're locked on something, all right, I can just rip and roll. And look, it might yeah. be hard, but I know where I'm going. Mm-hmm. As opposed to an option route, oh, fuck, there's indecision, yeah. you know, after the snap. So I think the point is, is the more you can be decisive as a quarterback, the better outcomes you're going to have. The better your process is, the better you're going to be. So you want to be really decisive as a quarterback. You want to be really sure of what you're doing. But you need to be sure of the game plan, the protections. Who's responsible for who if they blitz? Where all the receivers are going? And all that just takes takes time. And we've got to allow these guys time to develop. And look, even now, fuck it. Put the rookie in. You know, it's like when we started, it was like Aaron Rodgers sat on the bench for three years. I sat on the bench for my first year. It was they didn't even want to play Peyton Manning his first year, but they did. So are they developing are they developing people when they do that, or are they throwing them to the wolves and ruining careers? It could be a little of both. It depends on the situation. I don't think there's a broad overarching sentiment on that. But I think the pro game is is reflecting more of what the college game is as opposed to the college game reflecting what the pro game is. We're asking now pro players to play college football. And that's the biggest difference I see. There's This is way more checkers now than it is chess. Mm-hmm. I tried to play chess. I wanted to have three moves ahead of you at all the times. I didn't want to be in a boxing match. I, I love the way Floyd Mayweather fought because he never got hit and he won every fight. And why? Because he knew where all the problems were all the time. And he studied it and it was ingrained in who he was. And he thought about it when he woke up in the morning. He thought about it when he went to bed at night. And that was his life. And that's how it was for me. That's how it was for Fitzy. We tried to solve all those problems. We thought about, okay, this guy's I got this route. This, this I'm going to set him up. Fitzy didn't get out there and wing it. That's not how you play. Well, I mean, 17 seasons, Fitzy. Yeah. 
Yeah, you never, you never, you never, you never wing it, you know. And I remember Kurt Warner. I, I go back to when he first got there, my second year, and I was this guy who I just wanted to run up and down the field and catch fifty fifty balls. I was really good at it. And I remember it was like our third OTA practice, and and Kurt pulled me aside and he told me, he said, Larry. Like, I know the way you play, but I'm not comfortable playing that way. And if you want me to throw it to you consistently, I need you to run routes like Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. You need to be in a certain spot when you need to be there. If it's cover two and you have an inside uh, breaking route, on you know, a big end, and if you go outside that corner on cover two, I'm off of you. I don't care what you do at the top of your route because I need you to get leverage on the safety. So being able to understand the game through his eyes helped me become a better player. And I think, you know, like, those type of lessons really, you know, taught me a lot about preparation and, you know, doing things the right way. And I, and I think like a lot of times you, and I watch about running now guys get open, but is it, is it in the confines of the system? Like it is, does the quarterback have time for you to do all of these gyration at the top of your route to be able to get separation? So like it, it's uh I get what you're saying when you explain it like that, Tom. Yeah. Let's go. Is brought to you by Casamigos tequila. Casamigos tequila is brought to you by those who drink it. As we wrap up this portion here, It's a big week for Tiger Woods. You guys both love watching him play. Friends of his. He's back out on the course. Walking doesn't seem to be a problem as he uh, plays in the Hero Challenge. Uh, Fitzy, uh, you've spoken to Tiger. How excited are you you to see this? I'm elated for him. Uh, I'm elated to see him back out there. Everybody knows how much he loves the game, the preparation. He's been, you know, with Charlie on all of his tournaments. And I, and I know he's getting a competitive bug and wants to get back out there and compete in the hero. So I'm glad he's going to be back out. He, he's been hitting it good. And um, he's he's excited to go out there and uh, and try to compete with the boys. Anytime Tiger is playing, I'm watching. So when I see someone of that caliber and, and to watch him play, I it's it's must watch TV still is even for after all he's been through everybody wants to turn on and see how Tiger does. That's Tom Brady. You know his workouts and his work days. They're all using the TB12 plant based protein powder. It can help elevate your performance. It's the perfect choice to maintain a low carb diet that you're going to need after Thanksgiving without compromising taste or performance. Check it out and all the other TB12 sports performance products. At TB12Sports.com. That's TB12Sports.com. Want to give thanks to our tremendous producer, Dave the Snake Hagen, and to our sponsors, Delta Airlines, American Express, K Jewelers, Casamigos Tequila, Morton's The Steakhouse, Golden Nugget Hotel and Casino, and TB12 Sports. Let's Go with Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald was produced by 199 Productions in collaboration with Scratchy Productions and Shadow Lion. Listen to the full version of Let's Go every week on the SiriusXM app, included with all SiriusXM trials and popular plans. Just search Let's Go. Now for Tom Brady and Larry Fitzgerald, I'm Jim Gray. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week right here on Let's Go on SiriusXM. Serious XM Podcasts.